And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation that I'm hoping helps your business grow. So you got it right. Your business is growing fast. And now you've got to hire people, people, people. One of the things that you're guaranteed to run into is issues where you've got to streamline your processes, the things you do, and so much of that revolves around streamlining your employee training. It can really take over most everything that you do. And that's exactly what I'm gonna talk about with today's guest. And before I tell you who that is, and before we get started, I want to let you know that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. With me today, I have the CEO of Trainual, Chris Ronzio. Trainual is out of Scottsdale, Arizona, and is the training manual for the modern business. We're going to talk all about that today. But first, Chris, welcome to Startup Hustle. Thanks, man. Awesome to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. And I'm I, I'm going to learn some stuff today because I love making things faster and easier. So but yeah, I always like to say no one no one says it better than the C- CEOs and founders themselves. So why don't you give us a little bit of your backstory and tell us about tell us about yourself and Trainual. Yeah, sure. So Trainual was started based on all my own experience. So I started my first company when I was 14. It was a video production company that did youth sporting events. So I grew up in Massachusetts and we started with cheerleading events and dance events. And then it became like baseball tournaments and big figure skating things all the way up to the Olympics. So what we were doing is contracting with sports organizations that needed coverage across the United States. And we had to find crews in all these different cities, train them remotely so that they showed up looking and feeling like they were part of our team. And so from the time I was a little kid, that was just part of my DNA. I grew up loving systems and processes and reading, you know, the E-Myth and all, all these business books and, uh, and just trying to dial in our operations. And so eventually, fast forward past school, I sold the business after 12 years, started doing consulting for other companies. And I saw that this idea of process, of operations, of streamlining your workflows, your roles, responsibilities, your onboarding, like it doesn't matter what industry you're in. If you want to grow and you have people and you need people to grow your business, you've got to get that right. And so Trainual was the byproduct of the consulting work I was doing. It started as a small tool for my clients, and then it grew into what spun off as its own business. And so now we've got over 5,000 companies on the platform, uh, 100,000 users in 130 countries. And so uh, it's been really cool to see what we've learned uh, over the years. You know, so this is, if my business partner, the other Matt was with me right now, he would, and don't take this the wrong way. He'd go, he sometimes he'll say, I love the boring parts of business. And, <laughs> and, and for, and the reality is, it's like training employees, like, mo- well, maybe you might at this point, but most people don't wake up and say, man, 
it's another it's another day in paradise. I'm going to train a bunch of people that don't know what the hell they're doing and probably might not by the end of my day with them, but I'm going to train a bunch of people. I mean, it's, it's, it's a labor of love when it comes to, to onboarding employees is a challenge, getting them up to speed. And really in the end, you know, people want the training, they want the structure, they want to come in and have it be kind of like it was when we went to third grade and they say, you know, this is science class, this is math class. So, you know, when it comes to the overall training and all of that, when it comes bringing in new people or employees or even clients in some regards, because you got to train your clients sometimes too. Yeah. Where do you start? Like, where do you start? Well, so it can feel like training when you hear the word training, it sounds bureaucratic or it sounds like compliance and, you know, big companies, when they think of training, it's like we're hosting everybody in a classroom sort of setting and it's this top down, you know, garbage kind of training and that and that's totally the opposite from what I get passionate about. And so as an entrepreneur, as a leader in a business, what you're really doing with training is you're you're trying to get people speaking the same language. You're trying to get them aligned so that they understand your story. And anyone that's growing a business is passionate about their story. Like that's why we come on these shows and talk about it, right? So what you're doing is you're exposing people to your way, your secret sauce as a business. And if you really want to succeed as a company, you need to have that kind of secret sauce. And so the, the place that you start is introducing people not to the standard operating procedures of their day to day, but to your business. Like it's just it's the same as a, any kind of, you know, if you went to college, a college orientation, you get to know the campus before you get to the classroom setting. Right. And so where I always say to start, is the high level stuff. It's the history of the business, why you exist in the first place. Like, why did you start this company? What was the founding story like? What makes you different than other competitors? Um, what's your big vision or mission that you're chasing? What are your values that make you unique? And it's really building out the culture, the brand, the market. Like, that's where you start with training because that's what applies to every single person in your company. Yeah. And, you know, if you're hiring the right people, they want the training, they want to do well. And uh, tr assuming that people will just figure it out is not a great approach. So yeah. at Trainual, where where have you modernized, streamlined or improved the whole thing? Yeah. So it starts with even before someone's hired. So we use Trainual and recommend it as a screening tool when you're hiring people, because some of this stuff about your business, you want to expose even your applicants to and have them go through it and learn a little bit because then they self-select if they're a good fit at your business, which can save you a ton of pain later on. So even before the hiring process, it starts. Then once someone's accepted the job, getting them up to speed on the basics, like who else is on this team or what am I expected to do in, in my role like that can even happen before they walk in the building or before they log in on their first day they can start to get up to speed on that stuff so what you're doing is you're investing in in streamlining that new hires experience so that their perception of your brand is consistent you know it doesn't rely on you know the the founder or the manager or whatever being like a, in a great mood on the morning that somebody starts you know it's like everybody coming through gets the same sort of experience and so that's you know an instant win to streamline that part of it um, and then it's like streamlining every new policy every new best practice that you come up with you know a lot of people would make a document or circulate it through email or they'd send a slack message and if you really want to know that your people are doing things the same way 
put it in a system, push a button that rolls it out to everybody and that reminds them until they complete it. Like that's how you get the accountability that you just don't get with messages and documents. And so those are a couple of things. Yeah, you know, I'd never really considered the 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 screening aspect of it, and I think that's smart. You know, at, at, and at my company, Full Scale, where we have a lot of employees that do highly technical stuff, you know, we we give we have online assessments that we give, but yeah. I'd never really thought about the the kind of the onboarding to make sure it's a good fit because not every employee wants to work in the environment that we have. And if they don't, that's not a good fit. So yeah. the the faster you can kind of shoo people away that aren't going to be passionate about what your company does, well, the better off you are. And I think that uh, explaining the why. Now, one of the things that you know that I think about with, with this discussion is you talk about controlling the narrative about yeah. what your company does and what the mission does, and not doing that is a dangerous proposition because you can end up, if your company grows quickly, so at full scale, we had 100 employees in our first year. And we realized pretty quickly that we had to get our arms around so much of this because, oh man, things go side, can go sideways in a hurry. Yeah. Um, and you know, and it, 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 part of what we're talking about here is also referred to as BPM or business process management. Mm -hmm. And, you know, defining steps that are required to carry out a business task is important. Um, and once again, if you leave that narrative or those decisions up to too many people and there's no definition around it, well, you get a lot of different results in a hurry. Yeah. Um, and, and I think another thing, too, is is assuming that people at your business will do things efficiently or effectively. It's a big assumption, you know, so. Uh, you know, anytime you can remove steps out of things. And we look at a company like Amazon and Amazon is really a logistics company more than anything else. And they'll look at whatever it is that they do and they'll say, okay, well, there's three extra footsteps involved here. Yeah. You might think, oh, that's no big deal. But when you take it across like hundreds of thousands of employees, it becomes like a billion steps and yeah. um, you're paying little... someone to make those steps and do a lot of different stuff. So you know, is it at Trainual, and I'm I'm assuming this is an all online interactive kind of thing. I mean, does do do you do you look at the number of steps, the efficiency part of it, or any of that, or you know, where where does that come into play? Totally. So as a company grows, the result of those little micro changes is just amplified, right? Like at a small business, you make. You, you might make a change that just is, uh, you know, a, a, you need to make big changes to have big impacts. But as a bigger business, you make small changes and they have really wide impacts. So with Trainual, we recommend that you're documenting things across the business. I say there's there are four P's in your business. You've got the profile of your business, which is kind of what we talked about with your orientation, your brand, your market, that sort of thing. Then you've got the people in your business, which is like your org chart, who's who, who does what in the company. Then you've got your policies or your handbook, your rules, and then your processes. And the processes are what you're talking to, the step-by-step -step procedures, sequences, best practices. So the first thing to know is not every sequence, not every process in a business needs to be documented because not every process is done by multiple people. Not every process is scaling in the same way. But if there are things in your business, like with Amazon, logistical things that are going to happen a thousand times or a hundred thousand times, 
that's where you want to put a ton of attention to make sure that you're doing this as efficiently as possible. And so in Trainual, you're building out step by step by step sequences. You know, you're embedding videos or slides or text or screenshots or screen recordings, any way that makes sense to describe that thing. And then you're tying it all together in the, you know, to, to name a process and you're assigning it to a certain role in your business or a person in your business. So you say, this role, this person needs to know how to do this thing. And this is our recorded best practice. But then anyone in the company can go in and suggest edits to the best practice. And so I think one thing I've noticed with, with us, we went from five people in our first year to 55 people now in our third year. We have a lot of different ways that people started doing demos and and you know calls and, and things like that. And as we hired more people, there were just more suggestions and more alternatives. And we had to intentionally get together and say, what's the best way to do this now? Of all the experiments we've been running, what's the best way? And let's make sure now everybody's leveled up and doing it that way. And so writing down the process step by step by step, assigning it out to everyone, making sure they go through it. That's just your way of leveling up the business, one process, one role at a time. Yeah. And I, I've said so many times in the past, what are you going to do if everything goes right? at your business. And these are the kind of things, these like standard operating procedures and just different stuff that if you're not, okay, look, when you're a three person business, you're, you're trying to stay in business yeah. on many days, but what happens if things go right? What happens if things go well? What happens if you get that $4 million funding round that you want? Um, and I've been on the bad side of this where you have to slow everything down because you got to get stuff like this up and running. Yeah. So it, here on Startup Hustle, where, well, we have lots of different kinds of listeners all over the world. But, you know, when it comes down, like, how, how do you how do you know when it's time to build all this stuff? Because, it, you know, like I said, when you're in a two or three person company, like, eh, let's I mean, the reality is you're not like, hey, man, we got to make a training manual. <laughs> yeah, because you don't you're just no. trying to like, I no, mean, there's you're just trying a zillion different things. But yeah. what's what's when's the when does the signal flare go up? That's like, hey, I need this. So my consulting firm before Trainual was called Organized Chaos. And I used to tell people like, if you're experiencing chaos in your business, that is a good sign. You know, if you're experiencing boredom in your business and you're waiting for the phones to ring or you're, you're trying to figure out like, why won't people buy this thing? Then you have a sales and marketing problem. You don't have an operations problem. If the phones are ringing off the hook and you've got like the logistics and distribution and hiring and scaling kind of challenges, that's an awesome thing in business. And so that is when things are going right. And so the, the turning point for most companies is when you start to feel like you're doing things repetitively over and over this the same way. And whether you're the founder, one of the early team members, if something starts to feel like just a routine job and you're doing it the same every day or the same every week or the same for every customer, that's your signal to know that I can hand this off to somebody else. And so I actually trademarked this phrase, do it, document it, delegate it, because I was saying it all the time. But that's the order in your business that you go through things. You learn to do something and you do it and you experiment until it's consistent. And then once it's consistent, you document it, you write down the steps, and then you can delegate it and you can hand it off to someone else. So that the trigger is that you're doing things repeatedly over and over. That's when you know, at least for that thing in the business, it's time to hand this part off. Otherwise, you just get stuck doing that thing forever. And for most of us that are growth minded, that's not where you want to be. I think an easy way to gauge that as well is does it sound like an echo? And that's kind of like the the three word 
description of what you talked about, but echoes exist in a lot of different forms for entrepreneurs. And often it's that echo that made us start our business. You know, you, the, the same question, the same problem, something you're like, oh, wow, there could be a solution for this. But that, that same echo exists in your business. Like if your potential clients or your prospects are asking the exact same question, like at our business, we actually have, so we made a five minute video that tells you everything you need to know about full scale. Yeah. And it's, it's literally just, it is answering questions that the same people ask. Yeah. over and over again. And if anything, it was just for our own sanity. So we didn't feel like parrots all day. Now a trainer. So I used to be a sales trainer. I used to work in the music industry and I had this 13 state territory and I traveled all around and I had to train people how to use and sell all this different stuff. And you want to talk about feeling like a parrot, man. And this was a long time ago. This was before cool stuff like Trainual existed. Yeah. So, you know, but it's one of the, I think yourself, right? It's like, well, on, on some level you, you expect that, but there's certain things that, you know, that are well below the pay grade, yeah. you know, it's just like simple things and, and training is definitely one of them. I think one of the mistakes that entrepreneurs and leaders and managers make is often they say they feel like they're okay. Well, it's easy. It's faster for me to just do this than it is to actually go over and document it, create it and build something like Trainual. And the mistake is, is now you've sentenced yourself to do it again and again and again <laughs> yeah. and again. So that's yeah. clearly the problem that you solve. Now, um, you know, Chris, when it comes to your business and and so how, how long has Trainable been around? As its own business for three years and as a product within my consulting for three years before that. So six total. Yeah, and that's it. I, lo I love that that branch off from something else. So you started building this as an internal tool and you said, oh, wow, this has a much bigger, broader application. Yeah. So when I was doing the consulting work, part of what I was repeating myself with was I was making standard operating procedures. You know, I would go into a business, interview all their people, understand different roles, responsibilities, and then we would recommend new software or new technology. And part of changing someone's workflow was always let's go back and do a training day or let's record screen recording videos, or let's type up Google Doc SOPs, and we'll share those with everybody. And after doing that again and again, and just delivering a Dropbox folder or something, I thought, well, it'd be cool if we had some intellectual property, let's make a little tool that does this. So Trainual was just a, a internal tool for a few years. Um, and, and it was it was very, you know, it was just this thing, I didn't think much about it was like, I would charge 49 bucks a month after someone would do this, like $15,000 engagement. And I thought, you know, over time, I'll have hundreds of these, and that'll be cool. Um, three years in, I started getting companies that were being referred to Trainual and didn't want the consulting, they just wanted the tool. And that was a good sign. I had said no to a few of them and just didn't have a way to process orders. And so finally just said, um, let's spin this thing off. Let's put a landing page up. We took a couple of the team members from my consulting business and started doing Trainual full time. And then by the end of that year, we had almost a thousand companies on Trainual. And it was just, uh, you know, we, we knew to focus on that. Yeah, I've had that happen. That's kind of how full scale started. You know, it was uh, it had had a different approach. Well, Matt, my business partner's also named Matt. So we were just trying to build up Gigabook and he needed some developers for Stackify. And because of this podcast and the people we knew around town, so many people kept asking us is that we can't find developers. 
Yeah. What do we need to do to get some people in our office? And I heard that echo enough and, you know, beta client one, beta client two, next thing you know, nine months after that, a hundred employees. And we're like, ah, this is probably what we should be focusing on. And yeah. um, that, that was kind of game over since. Now, when it comes to, to smoothing any process in a business, and you mentioned being a consultant, and I've done some of this myself in the past, uh, you know, I'd show up at a business and I would just sit there and watch. And you can very quickly from just like kind of standing around and looking, see where things stop. Yeah. You know, as far as what you were doing when you were consulting processes and approach, is it what was your initial impression that you were gaining or trying to figure out what was wrong? Was it that simple for you? Yeah. I mean, you're looking for bottlenecks. And so like there's physical examples of this. Like I remember in a manufacturing company or in a like a commercial printer, I would walk in and you'd see someone walk across the room with a sheet of paper and put it in a tray for somebody else. It was like a ticket or an order. Right. And then it would be like a stack of four days worth of those orders before the next person grabbed it. And so you identify that as a really easy, obvious bottleneck. And then there's other ones that are digital where somebody emails a person or they put an order into the CRM and it takes the next person however many days you could start to track like how long has this been sitting in this stage in our CRM and so anywhere that there's those delays that's where you're finding bottlenecks because you've got a mismatch where you know one person's role in the process is much easier than another person's role in the process and that causes things to back up and build up at one stage and so I would ask people what would happen? What would break if you had twice as many orders or twice as many customers? And we would hone in on those areas of their process or those roles in the company. And what would often happen is like, that's the role in the company we need to hire another one of because we need two people doing that for every one person that's doing this thing over here. Or we need to automate that and we need a software that's going to you know, be allow us to be more powerful. Or we need some Zapier connection so that we don't even need to wait for this person. It just goes and does this and this behind the scenes. Um, so it's definitely those delays. That's what you're looking for. And so the the sheer act of watching, like you said, or of writing down those processes, just getting everybody around the room with some post-it notes and saying like, how do we do this? Step one to step 10. Let's talk it through. You'll save your business so much money and so much, you know, lost profit just by talking it through and saying like, let's work on this thing. The, the problem with that is people because people and I that I found in businesses often, hey, this is the way we do it. This is the way we've always done it. And this is the way we should probably keep doing it, which isn't a great approach because no. that doesn't leave a whole lot of room for, hey, maybe we should talk about it and see if it's something we should do that when it comes to creating small business efficiency, uh, the first thing I've learned to look at at this point is, do we even need to do this at all? Because the, the greatest efficiency you'll pick up is by just not doing something altogether, like not doing it at all. Now, that's not always the answer, but you'd be, I mean, for those of you listening, you'll be surprised at how many things that might exist in your flow that don't even need to be there at totally. all. And then, yeah. I had, so my video production company, a perfect example of this, we used to film all these events, right? And so at the beginning, I really prided the, that, that, that I was, I took pride in the fact that we would like do these cool animations and the font packages and graphics. And, you know, like P Diddy would be wrapping the opening of this like, you know, big event. And, and it took so much post-production work 
to send these events out. And that's what caused the delay in our in our process a lot of times was like we'd take the orders at the events and it would be four or five weeks before we would ship something out because we had a three week editing cycle. And that was what slowed us down. And so one one year we finally said, well, why don't we just why don't we just sell raw video? Like maybe some people want the polished production and some people just want the HD video that they can put on their phone or drag into iTunes, you know? And so we started selling these uh, raw video clips that we would hand to people on flash drives as they would walk out of the event. And so one set of our customers would wait four to five weeks for edited video. The other set of our customers would get something in 10 minutes as they walked out of the event. And like we saw, you know, 98% of sales were the thing that they could get in 10 minutes. So we did away with the post-production altogether. And that meant fewer people to staff in each production. It meant way more profit. It meant we could do more events, it meant less equipment with computers. And so cutting things out is such a good recommendation. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. And that's, and, you know, uh, and then also the, the people side of things, cause you know, all right. So as I mentioned, I've done a little consulting and helping businesses just figure out how to scale. And, you know, one example was it was a shoe store and they do consignment of like Jordans and Yeezys and stuff like that. Yeah. And they would have all this intake, but they were having a problem getting it out onto the floor quickly. And the very first problem was it was just really slow label printer. Like it just took like, I mean, it took forever to make a couple labels. And I was just sitting there watching a woman stand there and just kind of, you know, you know, waiting for this thing to print out labels. And like the, the very, the very first thing we fixed was that. And it was shocking how you could like literally watch this pile of, of boxes shrink. Yeah. You know, like it, it went, it was taller than me and I'm a pretty tall guy. So, you know, and then a couple of days later it got a little bit smaller. And then, you know, some of the other things we looked at too, is like you mentioned, like someone walking across the room and putting a piece of paper in a tray. Mm -hmm. Why isn't that tray right next to that person? Yeah. You know, and just little goofy stuff like that. But the one thing that I found found, and I do want to talk about this a little more and how we get past this is you know, so many people, their thought process is system oriented. Once they get used to doing something, they don't like to change. Yeah. So training can be can really be become problematic in some regards, because if you got to move the cheese, like there's a lot of people that just don't want to move the cheese. Well, so it, how do you how do you address that? And how do you address that? in, in like an online platform, because it's one thing to create the platform. It's another thing to have people actually do it. Totally. So I, I think, and when I was consulting and having these conversations with people, the ones that were most resistant to change were the ones that didn't know where that, what that change was going to result in for them. You know, they had like this job insecurity or something. And they thought if we automate, what am I, what am I going to do? If after, they don't right, need me. Right. And so, so I think you need to start with what, what don't you have time to do? Like what, if you had more capacity, what are the things you wish you could do more of? Because then it becomes a game of trying to find you capacity and they're happy to take those things off their plate. And so when I would interview people, it was always like, you know, if you had a, a top secret assistant that worked at your house or worked under your desk and you could just like give them all the crap work you don't want to do, what would you give them? And it starts to get people thinking about like, yeah, man, if I could free up these 10 hours, I'd have more time for this. And maybe I'd get that promotion or maybe. I, and you've got to start thinking in that train of thought because then they want to automate and they want to delegate. And if you start with, 
um, like, hey, Janice, we're going to take the, uh, you know, the those reports you do every week that you spend like all day, Thursday, Friday doing this new software package is going to do those. And then she just goes home and has no idea what her role in the company is anymore. That's a really uncomfortable thing. And so you've got to start with what are what do you, what do we not have capacity to do? And so the way as a software product we're handling that is in our you know employee bios and roles and responsibilities, being able to like start to rank and order responsibilities in the company, so that you can have those conversations with your managers or your teams to say, I want to do more of this. The next role in the company that we're hiring should do these things. Let's prepare to make documentation and training for those things because we want to hire for them. And so the, re the only reason you document and write down process is because you intend to delegate or you intend to scale the, the doing of that thing. And so the conversation that happens before is really what the motivation is to do it. Yeah, the first thing that I would do when I would come into a business would usually be say, hey, I'm here to make life easier. You know, yeah. like, and that's the goal. Now, I don't know how we're going to do that yet. We're going to figure that out together. But there are there are likely things that are more valuable uses of your time. than we're going to start with trying to automate things, because really, in the end, I don't think anyone wakes up and says, man, I want to make labels all day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so once you it's amazing, kind of you do have to kind of break through with some folks though. And like you said, it's that, it's that, it's that organizational insecurity. Like, what am I going to do if we do this? Well, probably something that's a little more worthy of your time. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's uh, okay. So many businesses have these old dusty, crusty SOP standard operating procedure binders and folders and whatever. When you run into that at train rule, how do you, how do you say, Hey, we're going to modernize and I'm looking now I'm looking over at this like 200 page thing. And I'm like, really? Tell me how we're going to do that, Chris, because I'd like to know. Man, it's it's few and far between that people actually have those. Some people do have them and they have some Word doc version that hasn't been updated in like 18 years, you know, and it's a good starting point because you can take that file, open it up. You can embed documents straight into Trainual if you just want to put it into a delivery system or the better way is you start to parse through that, scratch out things that don't matter anymore, um, take the blocks of text that do matter and copy and paste them into the new system, supplement that with some videos and recordings. And we have teams that work with you on that customer success reps that'll do that or our certified consultants all around the world that have been trained in the system and love working with companies to modernize what they've got. So the, the if if companies have that, it's a great starting point, but it's usually a first draft. It's usually like we've got something, we've got it written down, but we need to adapt it into this new system. Um, most companies have nothing and they're working from our templates or they're they're just you know starting to do process interviews and, and record things into the system. Or you can assign people in the system as owners over different subjects or departments and then go assign out that they're going to be the ones to create those things. One of the little hacks that we have is to make one of the the new hires in your company your process auditor because they have to learn the stuff anyway. And so if they're asking questions and not understanding something, um, they're actually the best person to write down the instructions because they're just trained on it. So they have the newest best practice. It's a great project for someone just getting started. We, we did that a little bit with gigabook.com because we had developers and we have QA. And as we began to look at everything, really anything that came in from live support, anybody that was 
answering questions or whatever, we found that 90% of the time it was actually user error. Uh, but when it wasn't, it, it, pretty much all the time, they would send it over to the QA person to test it. So we said, why not just have the QA people reply to the live support? Didn't literally removing steps. Uh, yeah. Now, it, at one of the five colleges that I dropped out of, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a process that I got pretty good at. But one of them was a top 10 business school at the time. And, the, at, and you know, this was a long time ago, but the supply chain management was really all the rage at, at the time and people were really focusing on it. And one of the things that they they taught us was a simple formula to determine uh, the efficiency of your processes or the likelihood that it would actually, the complexity and difficulty of rolling it out across a big organization. Because when you get into 200, okay, I'll tell you as, a company, as an employer of about 200 people, making changes and rolling stuff out is kind of like trying to turn around a battleship in a swimming pool on some days, you know, you're just like, it feels really slow, but they taught us to look at the number, take the number of steps and multiply it by itself. So you square it. So if you say it's a four step process, that'd be a 16. Mm -hmm. Now you take an eight step process that would have been 64. The four step process is Four, not you can look at it. So four steps is going to be twice as simple as eight. It's actually four times simpler. Mm -hmm. Every time you put a step in a process, the level of complexity of getting people to do it correctly and rolling it out across a large organization becomes wildly more difficult. So a two-step process has a score of four compared to the eight step. That's actually 16 times harder to get people to do or you're 16 times less likely to reach that desired outcome. It, do you find that when it comes to setting up processes and building that stuff, that that formula is, is fairly close to, I mean, look, you're, it's, I'm not saying it's like, hey, you're 100% of the time, this is the way it is, but I've learned to look at everything we do, everything from the steps it takes for a client to buy something to the steps it takes for a cashier to ring something up. I mean, do you find that that same, that that step reduction is crucial for rolling something out effectively or has something changed? Yeah, I think the step reduction is a great point. And it's not necessarily the number of micro steps that something has, but it's the number of steps that you can communicate the thing, you know, and so a lot of people have this tendency to make these like 100 step checklists or something like that. And I even went through that in my in my video company, we would make these massive, you know, 160 steps to prepare for an event. We started loading them into our project management system. And then instantly our event coordinator was inundated with like thousands of tasks that they couldn't make any progress on. And so if you get too granular, too micro, then it's just like there's a diminishing return. And so you've got to be able to simplify those into stages or into phases or into, you know, like bigger buckets. And so with Trainual, we, you know, the 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 simplest thing we do is just estimate the 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 complexity by read time and the time it takes to go through a process. And so that that stuff is instantly calculated based on the videos and the text and all of that. Um, and then we have little tool tips and recommendations to keep it short and use a video instead of so much text or use, uh, you know, animated GIFs and memes and, and those sort of things. So uh, 100%, I think the more complex you make processes, the harder it is to train people and the harder it is to scale. But um, it really depends on the thing. You know, like you've you have some things in your business that fewer people will do. 
but you can't help but document the 20 steps because it's processing payroll or running taxes, you know? And then you've got other things that are maybe done 10 times more. So by nature, you have to simplify them to make them simpler. It sounds like Trannual's done, uh, it sounds like you're doing a good job of, uh, when you talk about embedding things, whether it be a GIF or as a GIF or Jeff, whatever. I don't know. Um, making it more interesting. Yeah. And, 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 you know, one of the things I always tell people is try to communicate with whoever you're communicating with in the language that they speak and understand. Now, we obviously both speak English, but that doesn't mean we speak the same language. So, you know, being able to communicate in a way that people get or understand. And honestly, I think at many of the training things that I've been through, if there was a funny uh, GIF or reaction video or something like on some level, it might just snap me out of the stupor totally. that I was in. And so so that, is, like, that is part of the, that's part of your platform too, is yeah. like being able to actually make it interesting. Yeah. You make it fun. It's, it's, and it's a chance to show off your culture, you know, cause that's, that's the intangible of what you're training people on. Like you can train them on the content, but how you train them make is going to be dramatically different from business to business. We all have different tone and voice and, and, you know, social kind of norms. And so like for us, you know, we could have a really boring training on how like employees exercise their stock options, or we can have like Jerry Maguire being like, show me the money. And you know, the, like the, you have some fun with it. And so we're in all of our trainings that we do, like our success, customer success webinars, and we're, we're trying to teach people to make it fun, make it their own. Yeah. And, and you, you mentioned having some things in there that, yeah, okay. So it's one thing to talk about creating this stuff. It's another thing to actually be able to do it and do it effectively. So tell me a little bit more about the intuitive things that you were talking about, like suggestions or, I don't know, like you, okay, TLDR, man, you put a big block of text in, like I spend a lot of time, I, I call it fact shaping, because there's the facts, and then however it is that you shape them have everything to do with the effectiveness of your messaging. And there, so there's an infinite number of way to say everything. That means some of that, some, some methods have to be remarkably better than others. So where do, where do you, where, where is Trainual going to help me understand that I'm not doing a great job? The biggest part is through our templates. So we have templates that will like variably insert your company name and you can just click on it and have a starting point um, because we've got, you know, talent development people on staff that have built out these things that they're just great at it and maybe better than who you have inside your business. And so that's the first piece is just, you know, don't try to reinvent the wheel. Start with something that's pretty good to begin with and then customize it to be your own. Some of the things we're rolling out this year that people will start to see is the more like, like if you think of uh, Grammarly and how it would suggest, you know, mm -hmm. like you're, that's too way too long, right? In a simpler way, um, those sort of things will start to be introduced in the product. But right now, it's more templates specialized for your industry, for your company size, and then the success webinars and the email tips we send out. Yeah, I think that's smart. So. Speaking of smart, if you want to be smarter about how you hire developers and build your development teams, come check out my business, fullscale.io, where we help you build software teams quickly and affordably. Look, people, the struggle is real. There is a huge shortage of software developers in the United States, and I'm not going to help you find them in the United States. We've got a huge team in Cebu City in the Philippines. 
Cebu cities, the Cebu, the university of Cebu's mascot is the webmaster, which should tell you enough about how, where their heads at when it comes to educating and training developers. So that's what we help you with. Now, um, Chris, we end my episodes and I say my episodes, I'm not the only host of startup hustle. So for those of you listening, make sure you check out Andrew Morgan's on Tuesdays talking about e-commerce and Amazon and join my good friend and colleague, Lauren Conaway on Thursday. She's the founder of Innovate Her and has an amazing organization that does awesome stuff with ladies and technology and a whole lot of other stuff. If that's not enough for you, come check out Startup Hustle TV. It's our new web series about entrepreneurship. Man, we're off to a hot start on that. If you haven't watched yet, we have enough episodes that you can officially begin to binge watch now. So if that's what you were waiting for, head over to YouTube, type in Startup Hustle. It's really easy to find us or use the link in the show notes down there while you're at it. Click the link for Trainual and see what Chris's company does and how they're going to help you. Look, you really can't start doing this stuff early enough because if things do go well or if you're frustrated with the way things are going, you got to set a standard. You got to just say, hey, look, I mean, and, and, and until so many people and business gurus or whoever you want to say, say, it's not real until you write it down. So you can't expect people to perform up to any kind of standard or get stuff done. And you can't, you can't say, Hey, you're not doing it right. Okay. How do I do it right? And we'll write it down. It's pretty easy. So I mentioned my episodes end with the founders freestyle and we are to that point of the episode, Chris, I know it's sad. We don't want to stop talking about this stuff, but with the founders freestyle, I give my guests an opportunity to give advice to founders or sum up any closing arguments they may have, anything you may have left out. I mean, what would you like to say to the startup founders of the world on our way out of this episode? So at the beginning, you mentioned how a lot of people have a tendency to jump in and want to just do it themselves instead of trying to train someone else to do it, because that's the easy way out. Catch 22 is if you put in the time to document it, to train someone, it saves you the time later on, but it's really hard to wrap your mind around that. So what I would say to people is if you've tried to delegate something and they haven't done it well and you needed to take that thing back and you think it's just easier to do it yourself, just consider that you probably don't have a performance problem. You probably have a communication problem, a training problem. And like you just mentioned, setting the right expectation of how you do something is the only way that you can guarantee that the thing will be done right or will be done right eventually. So get started, jump down that path, uh, training, delegate, it's the way to grow. But thank you, Matt, for having me here. Yeah, you know, for my freestyle, I always say you got to delegate or innovate. And it sounds like with Trainual, you can do both. Um, And these are things like, as a startup founder, a business owner, a manager, a leader, you know, all of a sudden, as your business grows, you find that, that these things are piling up. And, you know, Matt, Matt Watson talks about the backpack, and you're wearing, you're trying to get to the top of the mountain, your backpack, the more things you put in the backpack, the heavier it is, the more you have to carry up to the top. And that's really something that overall, that tools like Trainual and there's other things out there that do other stuff in your business. And I love, this is what I love about being an entrepreneur in this modern world is you can pull things out of the backpack, 
on your way up to the top. You can offload these things and don't make the mistake of saying it's faster for me to do it myself. It's faster for me to just do this than it is to stop and set it up for the future. Because if things I've, I've been in and around businesses where we've literally had to stop everything we're doing so we could undo a ball of rubber bands that we had been building and, and knowingly adding rubber bands to forever. And then all this, and by the way, that's a painful, painful moment because by the time you're needing to do that, you're usually printing money or doing something that's a hell of a lot more fun than stopping and undoing the ball of rubber bands. So Chris, thanks again for joining me. I'm going to check out what you do. Cause like I said, I've got a whole lot of employees worldwide and they're always looking for direction and input. And it sounds like you've got a great way to do it, man. So I'll catch up with you down the road. That sounds good. Thanks again. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.